Wonderful. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I was thinking yesterday that the last time I spoke live to anyone in a church uh, was actually the Sunday right before lockdown started. Uh, it was the dedication Sunday. Paul and I were sitting beside each other and we were uh, discussing what uh, the next few months might look like. And I don't think either of us, I don't think any of us would have expected that 2020 would turn out uh, to be the year that it has been. So many of our norms have, have distanced from us. So many things that we know that are familiar have changed. Uh, but yet today and every day, God stays the same. And so this morning, uh, I want us to remember who Jesus is. And I want us to reflect on who we as his people are called to be. In Psalm 77, uh, there's been this national tragedy. There's been this moment where God's people find themselves uh, flung into tragedy. And we're not entirely sure what that tragedy is. But the first half of the psalm is this period of lament where the psalmist just pours out his heart, feeling that God has forgotten his people or forgotten his promises to his people. But then in verse 10, there's this shift. There's this significant shift. And it's this moment that establishes one of the many heartbeats of Scripture, that God is faithful. The psalmist says this. He says, I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You're the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And so we find this call for the people of God to remember the faithfulness of God, even in their current circumstance. Regardless of the present moment they find themselves in, they're implored by the psalmist to remember that God is faithful. And so today we remember the faithfulness of God. It helps grind us and root us in today, but it also gives us hope for tomorrow. And so this morning uh, we continue to bring ourselves before a God who is faithful to us. And as people who live and follow after Jesus, we want to live faithfully to him also. Uh, last weekend, we got the, the gift that probably none of us wanted uh, in 2020. We got an extra R. Uh, I wonder how you spent uh, your extra R last weekend. This has always been probably something that I've messed up in life. It's always been the thing that I've kind of wasted and squandered. I kind of feel like the extra R needs to be spent in one of two ways. Either, first of all, we need to spend that time doing something really super productive or you just need to go to bed. And if you've got young kids, you know the better option is always to go to bed. Uh, for me, however, I have, I have a secret love and my secret love is baking. So it is, that sounds maybe like a bizarre thing. I'm pretty sure I've completely confused the algorithms and Pinterest with my searches for how to build the world's most manly shed and also how to make your pastry light and fluffy. Um, I'm not sure where Pinterest puts me, um, but last weekend I decided to use some of this, something that I never really use whenever I do any form of baking. For us, it's something that we do with the kids. Uh, we make lots of stuff. Baking powder features is a big part of it, uh, but this is yeast. This is decidedly more unpredictable than baking powder. But given that I had an extra hour in the day, I decided 
that I would make some cinnamon rolls for the family the next morning. A nice relaxed start to Sunday, some warm cinnamon rolls first thing in the day. This was my brilliant idea on how I was going to spend my first hour or the, the extra hour that I got. Uh, and so I started making this recipe and I let it prove for an hour and then I mixed in all the cinnamon, I rolled it up, I shaped it, everything else, I let it sit for another hour. But by this stage it was half 11 at night. When I checked the next stage of the recipe it said put it in the oven for 45 to 50 minutes. I thought that is far too late. I'm just gonna leave it here, cover it with a tea towel. I'm gonna come back to it in the morning. We'll put it in the oven in the morning and it, the smell of cinnamon goodness will just fill the house. Uh, the next morning I woke up, I came downstairs, the tea towel was literally coming out of the kitchen door. Uh, this mound of substance had grown and grown and grown overnight as this yeast grew and grew. Uh, you may be able to see a photograph behind me, that is pretty much life size. Uh, it was about two feet wide, it was about one foot deep and I thought you know what, we'll bung it in the oven anyway and thankfully it worked and we have basically lived off it for the last week. Uh, but it was also this moment that got me thinking about this incredible parable, two parables that Jesus shares about something small but so significantly powerful. And Jesus says this, he said, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast or leaven that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so here Jesus describes these small but really significant substances. This mustard seed that plants in the ground that grows exponentially. This yeast that when left overnight permeates every part of the dough and brings about this organic growth. And it's this that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to. Growth has been at the heart of all that God does. Right throughout scripture, we see it. Genesis 1 verse 22, it says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the sea and let the birds increase on the earth. It's the same command that's given to humanity, to be fruitful and to multiply. A few chapters later, after the flood, after God has destroyed the world and has rescued Noah and his family, he gives this command to the sons of Noah. He says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And as you continue on, God makes this same promise to Abraham that his descendants will multiply, that there'll be more than the stars in the sky and the sand grains on the shore. Even while the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt, they continue to multiply. It is a sign of God's favor upon them. And when they find themselves in exile, Jeremiah encourages them to continue. He says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters increase in number. It's this picture of multiplying. It's this picture of growth that is woven into the story of God. And Jesus picks it up in the New Testament. He tells us to go and make disciples in all the nations. Watch as this little mustard seed, watch as this little bit of yeast grows and permeates this world with the message of the kingdom of God. 
And I love that Jesus speaks into this very traditional culture with a very powerful invitation. He picks up two parables, and in these two parables, he invites everyone to find their part in the story. He uses this agricultural picture of a man in a field sowing seeds, and he uses this other uh, traditional picture of, of a woman at home doing domestic activities. Regardless of where people were to find themselves, they were invited by Jesus to find their part in his incredible story, to be part of this incredible kingdom. So we're all invited today to take what we have in our hands, to use it by giving it to the God who multiplies. Then our small steps of faith become moments where the kingdom of God grows in our towns, in our communities, and across the world. Tim Chester and Steve Timmis uh, describe our calling as this. They say the church then is not something additional or optional. It's at the very heart of God's purposes. Jesus came to create a people who would model what it means to live under his rule. It would be a glorious outpost of the kingdom of God, an embassy of heaven. This is where the world can see what it means to be truly human. A glorious outpost of the kingdom of God. And as I read those words, it's, it's what I want to be part of. It's what I want to be identified with as we live focused on the king and on the growth of his kingdom. And so I suppose the question I find myself asking is, well, how do we be part of the glorious outpost of the kingdom of God? How do we fulfill our role in this incredible thing called the church? And this morning, I want to share with you two things that I think will help us, each of us, to live this out in our day-to-day lives, as we remember who God is and as we remember who he calls us to be. And the first thing I want us to remember is this, is that we are called to live in the uncomfortable space of faith. It's those moments that we find ourselves feeling uncomfortable or unsure or slightly nervous. It's in those moments that we find ourselves living from this place of faith. It's in those moments where we're not depending on our strengths and abilities, but we're pressing into who God is and his promises to us. I want to give you an example from the last six months or so. As coronavirus started to spread around the world, we knew that uh, for the kids that we look after in Stand By Me, it would be an enormous challenge. Uh, We knew that our schools were going to have to close, and for so many of our kids, uh, they get two meals a day. They get their breakfast and they get their lunch at school. We know for many of them, when they go home, they don't get anything else to eat. And so as we watched the headlines, as we saw the growth of this pandemic, we knew it was only a matter of time before governments around the world asked us to close our schools. And so as we did that, we realized that we had this huge challenge. Uh, We had kids that needed to be fed. We had kids that we knew the greatest risk for them would be going hungry. And so we spoke to our board and Stand By Me. We said we need to send money to buy food parcels, to send them home uh, to our kids and their families. We need to help sustain and support people through this time. Our board asked how much it would cost for the first month. It was a fairly sizable amount of money. and, And they said yes, because we live as people of faith. We don't have that money down the back of a sofa somewhere, but we trust that this is what God is calling us to do. 
And then as we started to see that this pandemic would be a longer run thing, then we realized that actually we needed to commit to doing this uh, for as long as it would take. It was this massive step of faith way beyond uh, where we felt that we had capacity, but we felt that this was the step that God was asking us to do. And within a matter of weeks, uh, God's people had responded and we had enough money to provide food parcels uh, to over 1,500 families over the last six months to provide them with support, to provide them with nourishment, to give them that opportunity to stay safe and to stay at home, not having to worry where the next meal was to come from, but giving a blessing from God's people uh, to them. Every package a sign of God's love and goodness. And that uh, made an impact on a huge number of families and continues to make an impact on a huge number of families. Families uh, like kids uh, like Sifan who lives in Dembodolo in Ethiopia. I spent some time with Sifan uh, about a year and a half ago out in Dembodolo. She lives uh, with her little brother Belisa and her little sister Mary and their mum. They live in this tiny little one-room mud hut house. And as I stepped in to this home, in this tiny uh, little home, you realized how little there was. A mat on the floor, a little wooden bench on the side. And I sat with Sifan's mum as she explained some of the challenges that she faced. I asked her how she provided for her family. They have a little patch of ground just to the side of her house. And there she would go grow garlic. And on the two days a week when the market would meet, she would head down to the market and she would set up this small little stall where she would try and sell her garlic to people passing by. Nowhere near enough to support her three kids, but doing what she could. And so when we heard of, of Sifan and her siblings, when we heard of the difficulties that they faced, when we heard that while her mum was at market, Sifan would stay at home and she would grind up corn, she would make meals, she would wash the clothes, we realised that this child had way more potential than this. And so we offered Sifan a place in our school, in our Abdi Academy in Dembodolo, a place that we support uh, as church. Uh, and as we offered her this place in school, it gives her hope for the future. She comes along every single morning. Uh, now every single morning she gets up and she puts on her uniform, she puts on her pair of shoes, she grabs her school bag, she waits for her two friends and they make this journey round the corner and she arrives at school. And when she arrives at school, she gets her breakfast, she goes to assembly, she gets to go to class, she gets her lunch, every need that she has is met. And as I sat with Sifan and her mom in their house a little over a year and a half ago, Sifan explained that her dream is to become a doctor and how her longing is to help her family to have a better future. And so it's kids like this that we have been able to support. Uh, just two weeks ago, our kids finally got back to school in Ethiopia. But every single food parcel that has gone home to a family has been that little sowing of yeast, that little mustard seed planter, that demonstration of the goodness of God as we live out what it means to be followers of the King, as we long to see His kingdom established on the earth. That's where the kingdom grows, not in our strength, but in our weakness, in those uncomfortable moments of faith. Uh, and so we step out. And so my challenge to each of us this week is where are we going to find those uncomfortable moments of faith? 
were those moments where we're pressing into God, saying, God, if, if you don't come through, I don't know what happens. But we want to live completely dependent on you as we help to grow and multiply and play our role in the kingdom of God. My other point uh, this morning is that I, th- I want us to be people who grasp every opportunity. As a follower of Jesus, I, I want to grab hold of every opportunity that there is in front of me. And if I'm honest, I probably used to spend too much time contemplating and, and trying to figure out uh, what direction looked like in life, what faith looked like worked out. And I used to pray a lot for guidance about what to do. And, and I genuinely think that sometimes we can spend so much time asking for direction that we miss what's right in front of us. As I was thinking about this, I thought about a holiday that Laura and I took uh, before we had kids when you could go and walk around cities and take in sights. Uh, We headed off to France, we headed to Paris, uh, and we'd had this tip from friends who'd been before, and they said, look, when you go to Paris, if you're going to Sacré-Cœur, go on Sunday morning, get there early. Sacré-Cœur is this beautiful chapel on top of the hill in the north of, of Paris. He said, go and arrive early and you'll hear the choir practicing and and everything else. I thought, this is brilliant. So we got up early on Sunday morning. We made our way from where we were staying across using the metro in Paris and then not wanting to be late. As we popped out of the, the tube station, I was like, right, we need directions. We need to get to where we need to be like right now. And so with far too much confidence in my grade B at GCSE in French. I spotted the most French looking person that I could find, man, stripy jumper, onions, bicycle, typical thing. And I walked up to him and I said, uh, excusez-moi, monsieur, où est le sacré-cœur? And clearly my French must have been so exceptional, so exquisite that it just cast him into complete perplexion as he looked and thought, how could this local Parisian not know where the Sacré-Cœur is in his own town? And, and he sort of wandered off muttering under his breath. He's like, you know, come pas. And I was like, why did he not tell me where it was? And, and as I turned around, as I looked the other direction, it's this huge outline of the building literally right behind me. And so this guy must have been standing there going, like, why? Just look over there. And I think so often in our lives, we can, we can almost complicate a little bit of, of what it means to live lives of faith. I believe wholeheartedly that there are times when God speaks really clearly, gives us really clear direction. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. But I also believe that as we grow as followers of Jesus, that we take on the family likeness, that we just know how to respond that we know that there's opportunities, that there are moments there. And so as I follow Jesus over the last 18 months, I've really felt this sense that God's Spirit has been pressing into me to just do the good that's right in front of you. And this morning, I can say with a a really high degree of confidence in this statement that God will never be mad at you for doing too much good. There is not going to come a moment in the future where we're standing before the Lord and he's going to go, I cannot believe that you took all those opportunities to get, you just did too much. Why did you not let all of that good be shared around for other people? We have opportunities to live out our faith. We have opportunities to make a difference in the world. We cannot be held guilty of doing too much good because as we do it, we're reflecting God's character, his love, his goodness, and his generosity to the world. This has been something that 
I've really felt like it's been a journey over the last 18 months uh, for me. Uh, pretty much this weekend last year, uh, I was in Bokaji uh, in Ethiopia with work, and I was chatting with Brooke, who runs our project in Bokaji, and he was telling me uh, about how even he sometimes finds himself surprised uh, by the levels of poverty that exist in the town that he himself uh, grew up in. And he took me to visit uh, one child's house, literally just at the end of our school, over the fence. Uh, and he took me around to go and visit this home, a, a brilliant little kid called Siraj, who every single morning, you see him at school, a smile on his face, an eagerness to learn, and a desire for, for a better future. And if I'd only gone on what I'd seen of him every single morning, I would never have imagined that he returned to a home uh, like this, this kind of makeshift home uh, with grass thrown on for the roof. We went round and spent time with his mom and she explained some of her story that her husband uh, had passed away and uh, they're living in this tiny, tiny little space. No electricity, no light, couple of little beds that we had provided. And, and she explained how in the rainy season that the rain would come in in one corner and it would just run through the house and go out the other corner. I asked her what she did to, to make money and she said, well, I go and I, I buy a little bit of butter at the market and then I cut it up into smaller blocks and I take it around and I try and sell the smaller blocks to people. And if I sell that, I come back and I buy a little bit more and I do the same again. And I asked her how much she would earn at the market. She told me it would work out at about 70p. Uh, 70p that you can earn twice uh, in a week. I asked her what she did for food to feed her kids and she said, well, if I've had a really good week, I'll buy a loaf of bread, and, and if I haven't, then I go round and I buy slices of bread. And I'm looking at this home, I'm looking at just the brokenness of this situation, and yet the potential in this incredible little child, and, and my head's starting to go through the, the kind of, well, what can we do? How can we respond to this? What does change look like in this moment? And it was then uh, that I felt that, that God just kind of whispered to my soul, he went, this one's for you. This one's on you. This is good that you can do that's in front of you right now. And so we chatted with Brooke. We figured out you know, what change might look like. And we were able to step into that opportunity. And we don't need to travel to the far side of the world. Those opportunities are in front of us every single day. Those opportunities to be that mustard seed, that yeast that permeates our lives and the lives of others. As we live out what it means to be followers of the King and to see his kingdom established here in the earth. And so I suppose uh, my challenge for each of us this morning is this. As we step into the rest of today, the rest of this week, the rest of what 2020 has for us, that we do that with eyes open to the opportunities in front of us. As we consider the good that we can do for the kingdom of God. And as we step out into that uncomfortable place of faith. I think in, in this season, but if I'm honest, really in every season of life, our lives will be the light that people see that draws them into the kingdom. It's not the dynamic gatherings, but it's our faithfulness in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our friendships, in our families. As we live faithful to the God who is faithful to us, as we sow seed as we live as yeast that permeates and brings life and growth. And so that in this season, I want us to be compelled that God's Spirit is still at work, 
because God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are opportunities for us to serve. There are opportunities to see the kingdom grow if we live with our hands and with our hearts open. And so I want to finish uh, with these words of Paul in Ephesians 4, taken from the message. It says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around in your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. I mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Let's pray. Father, this morning uh, we pray as Nehemiah did, that you would strengthen our hands that you would grant us courage uh, to follow you into those moments of unknown. We thank you uh, that even in this space of discomfort, uh, this space of not fully knowing, but knowing that you're leading, that you meet us in that place in a really powerful way. God, we thank you uh, for all that you have done uh, in this place, through uh, us as uh, the church, as, as we gather as Carrick Fergus Vineyard. God, it, it's left us longing for more. So God, I pray for uh, the steps of faith that we'll take this week. God, in our words and in our actions, that the, those words and actions will permeate our homes, our streets, our land and this world with the goodness of God. God, we thank you that your kingdom continues to grow, that you're at work even in these strange and difficult times. God, we pray that you would open our hands and our hearts to the needs of those in our neighborhoods and the nations. God, I pray that we would continue to be a people that multiply. Father, that we would be disciples who make disciples for Jesus' glory and for his fame. We pray this all in his name. Amen.